Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Uh, if you were planning on going out to, for Halloween as a Jeffrey Dahmer and you hadn't ordered up your costume off of eBay yet, well, you're uh, pooched. You're out of luck. Come on. eBay isn't having it. They've taken down listings for Dahmer-inspired costumes. Oh, okay. I thought you just said they were sold out. Oh, they probably were selling fast. That's probably what caught their attention. Um, this what, goes... What, what, okay, what what is a Dahmer, like, other than a prison... Well, jumpsuit and some uh, blonde his, hair. His glasses, his button-down shirts, I okay. guess the, the regular kind of costume he wore or whatever his fashion sense was. I have yet to be able to get even through the first episode. I tried. I started. Um, so I don't know. But I'm going to assume it's that button-down shirt he used to wear a lot and the uh, the khakis or whatever it was his, thing, his look was. Um yeah, there's nothing about Dahmer that's available, supposedly, on eBay, like glasses or shirts. Uh, these items violate the company's policy against items that glorify hate and violence. And, okay, that that's fine. That's that's cool for eBay to do that. It is interesting that they take that stance on it, and yet Netflix has a home run with basically glorifying, right. you know, his story. Um eBay also has a policy against items that are closely associated with or that benefit violent felons, their acts, or crime scenes within the past 100 years. Whoa. If sellers don't follow these policies, they could get their accounts suspended. Apparently, eBay is having to constantly sweep the site because so many people are cashing in on Dahmer and the craze inspired by the Netflix series. Yeah. But people do. It's Halloween. Like I, it, it seems a. I, I listen. I applaud them for not wanting to promote hate and violence, of course. But you know, this is what we do at Halloween. We dress up as these characters. Yeah, I, I guess the characters, for the most part, being uh, fictional, mm. uh, is what we tend to dress up for with, yeah. with Halloween. Yeah, you don't see a lot of Charlie Manson. A little more personal when it... Uh... A lot of sexy nurses. Yeah. A lot of sex. <laughs> Halloween is completely whored out now. It's not scary anymore. It's, <laughs> well, it's, for some it is. It's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if you were looking to do a Dahmer thing, when was the last time you dressed up for Halloween? Uh, boy, I think there was probably a Halloween party, an adult Halloween yeah. party of some sort. But it'd be a few years, a while back. Yeah. I think the last time... I think I dreaded it. What did you dress up as? Do you remember? Um, Actually, you know what? We used to have some station parties, like dances that uh, that the oldie station would do. And so we would would dress up. And, and, you know, we'd be given costumes to wear. And some like like a Scooby-Doo type thing. Right. Yeah, I used to hate it as well. I uh, I would avoid Halloween. Um, once I became an adult, I, I avoided it as much as I could in regards to having to dress up and do something for it outside of hand out candy on the night. I like uh, these inflatable costumes they got going on now. There's, I haven't seen these. They're pretty simple. You just throw it on and it's, it's all kind of um, like elastic t- to you. Right. It's got a little fan in that blows it up. The kids were in one last year that looked like they were being attacked by zombies. But it's all kind of... Just one quick suit, throw it on, and it's done. Yeah, right. Not a lot of makeup involved and all the crazy stuff. I mean, it's impressive what some people can do with it, but oh, I'm, sure. I'm just not there. You see some homes, too. They're already all decked out. Uh, yeah. My I, my buddy growing up, his father was an electrician, so every year he had some elaborate 
costume that his dad made that like lit up. He was like a robot, and, you know. And I'm I got, I got the burnt cork under my eye, and I'm a hobo again. Thanks, thanks, pops, for trying. But I, uh, Maria and I, uh, we got invited to a Halloween party early on when we were dating, and so we decided, or maybe we were told we had to come as a um, like a couple costume. We had to dress up as. You know, something that were tied together, a duo of some sort. So we went with a hot dog and a bun. All right. I was the bun. She was the wiener. <laughs> we got that wrong. But the idea was that she'd go inside my bun. Right. It was very sexy. Chevy Chase shares a story about John Belushi once stealing something from him that you knew can never get back. Because John stole a vial of cocaine from Chevy. <laughs> In the 1970s, when you just kept your vials of cocaine right, yeah. all scattered about the place. <laughs> That's true. Where, where did I put that? Going into the workplace now and go down and sit down with your boss, and he's got a, a jar, a mason jar of coke and a spoon. <laughs> Before we start this meeting. Yeah. Um, so he, he accused John. He said, did you take my coke? Because uh, I guess the story goes that Chevy was sitting at a piano on that was on stage, and he was just playing it a little bit, and he had the coke on top of the piano, and he was looking down at his hands. As, as you know you do. As you do. <laughs> a lot of white keys there. Yeah. <laughs> Get confused. Uh, and he looked up, and it was gone, and Belushi had kind of come in, swooped in, and swooped out. And so, but a month later, he's invited to Belushi's place for dinner, and he goes into the living room, and he looks at the bookshelf, and sitting on the bookshelf is his old empty vial <laughs> and spoon. So... And, you know, stealing drugs is one of those things that the drug stealer knows he gets away with. Because who are you going to complain to? Right, true. Uh, pol- Call a cop. Police? That dude stole my coke. Uh, Kevin Spacey is in court right now. Uh, he's, uh, of course, uh, on trial for allegedly trying to force himself on an underage boy back in 1986. The alleged victim, Anthony Rapp, is 40 years old now, and he's suing Kevin for $40 million bucks. Kevin took the stand yesterday and revealed something that he's never spoken about before. He says, I grew up in a very complicated family dynamic. My father was a white supremacist and a neo-Nazi. That's not good. Yeah. Um, It meant that my siblings and I were forced to listen to hours and hours of my father lecturing us about his beliefs. He used to yell at me at the idea I might be gay. I'm surprised that if Kevin was of a certain age and his old man was that way, that he would have even admitted or brought up. That uh, he, he might not have said anything. He's just saying his father yelled at him at the idea that he oh, might be. True. So perhaps it was more calling him uh, soft or derogatory because of it. It seems like he's using it as a mitigating factor in his yeah, behavior, right? I think so, yeah. So we will see. You know, he's one of those guys when when all the Me Too movement happened, and he goes on to say that uh, he he got some bad advice. He says that uh, when the Me Too movement started gaining steam, he was advised not to push back or he would come off as a victim shamer. So he regrets that he apologized to Anthony Rapp. He added, "I've learned a lesson, which is never apologize for something you didn't do." So we will see. Okay, this trial carries on. The first teaser for the Christmas Story sequel is here, and uh, it does seem to uh, include a lot of the original cast. The movie is called A Christmas Story Christmas. Hits HBO Max on November 17th. I believe the actor and actress who played little Ralphie's parents, I think they have passed. Um, But returning cast members include Scott Schwartz and R.D. Robb, returning as Ralphie's friends Flick and Schwartz. Okay. 
Ian Petrella is back as his brother Randy, and Zach Ward returns as the bully Scott Farkas. <laughs> Gotta be very careful. <laughs> yes. How you say that? <laughs> very careful. It was one of those Christmas movies that I remember people went crazy for, and year after year I would never really watch it. And a few years back, I saw it in some discount bin at like Walmart or something for a couple of bucks, so I bought it. So we like to always have the Christmas uh, DVDs sitting around over the holidays. And um, I finally sat through it, and it's fine. It's all right. There's some funny moments. It's, it's, uh, it's a cute little story. I never really got the craze for it. Right. People went nuts for it. But, hey, there's funny moments with the kid getting his tongue stuck to the pole. Yeah, I saw that. I saw it as a kid. It's not one that I go to, though, in one no. of my Christmas movies. I mean, it's based on the 50s. I think it was supposed to be the 1950s. And so maybe for a certain generation, they look back fondly to those Christmas times. Um, and the, that lamp with the one leg, I mean, you still see those being sold all over the place. Right. It really became a, a novelty. I didn't know this, but it's got to be confusing that Flick was played played by Scott Schwartz. So Flick and Schwartz, whatever it seems, <laughs> Schwartz was actually Flick and not Schwartz. Oh, okay, yeah. That yeah. is confusing. Huh. Uh, Ralph Macchio uh, shared an interesting story. His, uh, he says his son realized just how popular his dad was after seeing him in an old teen magazine. Ah, the old teen box. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. Ralph said when his son was five, he saw the magazine and he said, Dad was huge and we missed it. His son Daniel, I guess he named him after his character. That's a cool move. Yeah, he didn't do much after the Karate Kid. Um... So Ralph's uh, son is now 26. He's also got a daughter, uh, Julia, who's 30, who was actually in Cobra Kai for a couple of scenes. Have you? Did you watch any of Cobra Kai? Uh, no, actually. Get back into that. People went uh, went crazy for it. I think it's kind of faded now, and it might still be going. They might be into like season four or five. Listen, I got to tell you, Ralph Macchio is the Karate Kid back in the day. We all love the movie. We love the character. He was never going to be winning any Oscars, though. <laughs> you know, the range of a Daisy Air Rifle, that guy. <laughs> People want kids, parents want kids to be honest, but not too honest. <laughs> Which is really tough on kids because it's sending, you know, mixed signals. Right. Uh, researchers found it's tough for kids to figure out the level of honesty that's socially acceptable. One example is like opening a gift they don't like. Adults know it's okay to lie in that situation or pretend you like it more than you do. But a right. little kid might just say something like, oh, this is gross or ugly. Because we tell them to be honest. They don't want to get that wrong. Then they're totally confused when their parents get angry or embarrassed by it. study also found uh, other adults also tend to judge kids more in that moment, which is totally unfair. And so when it is said, well, what can we do about that? Unfortunately, not much. It takes time to learn how to navigate something as complicated as honesty. So don't hold it against your kids if they're brutally honest and they don't know any better. Yeah, yeah. Kids say the darndest things, yes, don't they? Yes, they do. And, yeah, we, we do learn those. Uh, you got to read a room, and they don't know how to do that. And I keep telling. I, I can't <laughs> find a dime for every time I said to my kids, like, read the room, yeah, your especially mother, as they get older. Your mother and I are furious <laughs> with each other right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, well, it, it happened, like, even last night. Like, we had one going to hockey, uh, and there's scrambling going on to get one out the door, and there's, like, arguing here and there about equipment and where is everything, and... And the other one is just oblivious to all of it mm. and asking for a snack. Right. right. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Read the room. Do you need this right away?
Well, and I, at their age, I'd be like, uh, there's the cupboard. Exactly. Figure out your right. own snack. Well, You're no, not but, six but anymore. Then they'll do other stuff, right? Like, what they do is they'll play off of each other and says if one's having a bad time, the other will go out of their way to make themselves look like they're, hey, I'm being helpful right now. Oh, really? I'm getting my own snack. Just, you know, just let you know I'm getting my own snack right now. Like, yeah. Shut up. Read the room. Go get your snack and stuff in your face. Um, boys, I, I like I, I have two nieces who are the exact same age as our boys, and they all grew up together, and it is night and day different. Now, my boys are at an age now. I mean, they're in their mid to late 20s, so... They're they're adults. They're much better now. But when they were young, my nieces would just stare at them in horror <laughs> at the animals they were to each other. Like, terrible. And I used to have these long conversations about, all right, if we're going to have, like, these problems in the house, it's one thing. But out on the street and at school and amongst others, you have to have each other's back and... I went on and on and on, and I used to go to bed at night, as I do now, and I say, what was the point? What? What? And I'm still, and I ask, I ask parents all the time, and nobody has ever, ever given me a real honest answer. What is the point in having children? Huh. What, what do we actually get back from it? Well, as I said before, I think uh, if you'd like to create a legacy, your name to carry on. Oh, that's so narcissistic. Right. Uh, you know, well, listen, we did, uh, we had to sit down and do our wills, yeah. uh, recently. And, uh, and it's an interesting question of where does your stuff go when you're done? Where do you want your stuff to go? A dumpster. <laughs> Who wants well, my crap? Yours belongs. Who wants my crap? <laughs> I mean, we really think too highly of ourselves. And we I really guess. believe we're so damn yeah, important. Yeah, but we do, that's as a society. We, you know, here we are trying to go to other planets to bring our crap over to them now. Nobody wants your Oshawa General's uh, the OHL winning ring. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody wants any of it. That's not going in a Hall of, hall of Fame somewhere? <laughs> no, oh. it's not. All right. Good you deserve like, that ring like I deserve a ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, again, I love my children. Couldn't imagine life without them. But when I see couples, and I'm so happy that some are very honest about that idea of just never having kids, they want to live their own life. Like, I, you basically decide at some point we're going to make children and we're just going to devote everything to them for the next 20 years. Well, I guess part of the hope for some is that your kids are going to help take care of you later on as well. Well, you know, I, I don't know that I would devote that many years to hopefully maybe this kid will <laughs> change my diaper for a couple of months. <laughs> right. There are nurses who can do that, and I wouldn't want my own children. That's the other thing. I don't want that of them. Uh -huh. I don't. That's, that's another kind of narcissistic thing about it. It's that thing that they owe you something or down the road they'll take care of you. No, they don't owe you anything. They didn't ask to be born either. I'm very much of we're all on this thing, this ride on our own. So why are you here? Well, again, my parents, dang nasties, <laughs> made me. I probably They probably would have had a far better life without me as well and my sister. They could have gone and done things. I mean, we all have one go around in this world. Uh -huh. Okay, here's your options. You, you and Adrian could have done whatever and seen whatever and gone everywhere and lived your life, slept in on weekends, ate meals in nice restaurants, did whatever served you. Instead, you, like me, like so many others, 
decided, no, we were going to spend a huge portion fighting with little midgets. <laughs> screaming at people who bring nothing to the table. Right. Except angst and anger and turmoil. But hang on, because those people who don't do that, mm. the dinks as we like to call them, yeah. uh, dual income, no kids, yeah. uh, will do all of this stuff and uh, treat themselves to everything. Yeah. And then post about it to show you how much they've got and how much they're enjoying. And that just riles you up as well. Well, no, but you parents uh, of children do it more so than the others. Look at all the school back to school and hockey photos and sports events and kids in parks. Well, I think parents are more guilty of that because now parents are into the parent shaming. Right. Now it's not only our goal to be a parent, but it's to make every other parent feel like a piece of crap because they're not good at it. So, uh, so existence for you is uh, questionable. Uh, carrying on existence is a stupid idea. Well, we don't need any more people or on the planet. I, th I think having children in kind of in our name and to carry on, that's pretty narcissistic, I think. But also, we don't, we don't need more bodies on the planet. We need less. So stop making babies is what I think. Like <laughs> you, you want the old one-child policy to come uh, No to? child. No child. No though. child. You know how much? Dad, then, then, listen to this. Listen to this. Dad, he's like such a bad thing to do. Would you like to ruin the path yeah. behind you? No children. And then, no need for these expensive teachers to save some money. It's a win-win for everybody. I was sad to hear this morning that uh, Boria Salming, nicknamed the king by his teammates, uh, who he spent 16 years with the Toronto Maple Leafs from 73 to 89. Just a, a huge amount of time for uh, one guy and one team. And he played one more season in the NHL after he left with Detroit. The yeah, you see, you forget totally about that. Um, and when he speaks uh, of uh, his time with Toronto, he always spoke highly of the 70s and said he had so much fun. And I met him in the early 80s, and he looked like he had a lot of fun in the 70s. <laughs> He kind of, when he used to speak of the Leafs and when he would talk about his time in Toronto, uh, he would speak fondly of playing with Sittler and Tiger Williams and Lanny McDonald. The 80s, though, a bit tough because I think they had a losing season every season. Right, during the, the Ballard years, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah ALS is what he's uh, suffering with uh, and apparently it's very, very, uh, progressing very steadily mm. um, and rapidly, in fact. Um, they say first, I think, uh, signs were February, wow. his wife said, that um, just some muscle twitching in, in, in an odd way. And then by May, he was uh, having trouble with speech and now um, not communicating. Um, and it's just, if you've ever watched someone uh, have to go through it, and I have, it, it is very, very difficult to see. Yeah, it's, you know, he... Uh he was a terrific human being. Like I said, I, I met him uh, once, and I was at a scrum at Maple Leaf Gardens. And this, I think, it, I, the, the, the whole world of hockey and sports has changed. But this would have been uh, 83, 84, and uh, Ballard was there. And I was just, uh, like, helping a sports uh, writer or a sports broadcaster for a radio station. I was basically, like, carrying his uh, equipment and being the gopher while he was involved in this scrum. And... Uh, in walks Salming, so we're all kind of in the hallway. This was before you could do it all on a cell phone? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all in there with big mics. And equipment. What are you talking tape, about? Tape recorders strapped over. <laughs> I'm breaking my back. And then use a trolley to get it all in. So uh, we're all standing there, and Ballard's holding court. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, around the corner and to the dressing room, because we were just outside of the Leafs dressing room, uh, walks in Salming. 
and he's got a massive bag of Harvey's, I remember. <laughs> and he looked like he had been up for three days. And he, he, like he says hello to everybody, he has a quick little chat, and then he goes in and he slops down on the bench inside the, uh, the dressing room, and he just starts to devour this Harvey's. Like, this is game day. Right. You know, this is, it's not the way the world operates now. Where I could really crush the Harvey's right now that yeah. you just talked about. Well, yeah, but you wouldn't be going to play hockey no. four hours later. No. Because that Harvey's would be coming out of you. Yeah. Yeah, he just, and, and, I, and that's the life they led because, you know, back then, and even into the, uh, probably by the 90s is when I guess the money really got bigger and bigger. But back then, they weren't making that much. Many of them in the 70s had to have summer jobs. You know, they, they couldn't live off of the money they made uh, playing hockey. And, of course, he came from Sweden, and he was the, the first, I think, the first Swedish player inducted into the Hall of Fame. I was going to say, you know, he, for, for you look at the landscape of the NHL now yeah. and how international it is. At right. the time, it wasn't. No. Uh, and, and he was one of those first uh, that, uh, you know, not the first, but one of the first to, to, to really... Uh, paved the way yeah. for players like the the Sundins and Forsbergs for and Sundins sure. later on, and, and and to which you know growing up and playing in the NHL was a dream mm-hmm. of theirs, not just in the Swedish elite leagues. The scout that found him had gone over to to uh, scout some other Swedish players, and the minute he saw Salming play, he ran into the dressing room and said, "You want to come to Toronto? You want to play for the Leafs?" and you know, he got here, and of course, uh, it was a rude awakening because it was such a violent game in the 70s, and they didn't play that way in Europe. And basically, you take this kid who comes here who's never really been in a, a hockey fight, and now he's just getting pummeled. Right. And all the crap that was said about him because he was European and he was a chicken and all that stuff that the likes of the Don Cherries and others would like to throw around back in the day. So he faced all of that and did incredibly well. I think he was a, a for Norris trophy a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He might have lost, I think, to like Larry Robinson or something, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Look I, at you pulling out names. I know. I, I really, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I was really into the game when I was just a fan from afar. Right. When I got somewhat involved, that's when I turned on it. <laughs> when I, you know, it's kind of like when you have a hero in music or movies, you, maybe you shouldn't meet them because yeah. it's, it's going to go bad. The minute I had to mingle with hockey people is the minute I said, this is the worst ever. <laughs> These people are horrible and despicable. Not all. Eh, About 97, 98%. Would you be mad to find out the person you're dating or maybe married to or engaged to is still friends with an ex? Prepare yourself because there's a good chance they are. Right. Now, I would guess with age, of course, you're going to have more history and more people that were in and out of your life. Yeah. Um, And it turns out that many of us claim we wouldn't care if our current partner was still friends with an ex. Now, I believe when we answer a question like that and we say, yeah, no, we'd be fine with it. We we want to believe You're we'd right. be fine with it. We want our better self, our more mature and understanding self to be fine with it. But I, I, I think most of us, and it depends on how close that friendship is. I was going to say, you really have to define that friendship. Like, like if you're if you're struggling because they are still Facebook friends right right um which i guess if if you're worried that are they just keeping up tabs or they you know right continually spying on what has been going on dreaming of what could have might what might have been through Mm -hmm. all of this um you know again you have to really kind of assess i don't even know if i would know and i don't know if we've gone we've talked about complete histories and every person really yeah 
What do you two talk about? Hockey? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> How could you not have had that conversation <laughs> in all these years? Um, yeah, if, um, if they're friends on Facebook or some sort of social media, you you got to accept that that's just the way the world works now, and it yeah. is what it is. I but mean, names of exes have come up along the way, but it's it's like I, yeah, it's their friends on Facebook. Mm. Going, all right, fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're, they're taking vacations together, that <laughs> might be a problem. Well, and I guess that's you know a question you'll have to ask yourself: is like, do you want your potential significant other to delete all history of themselves before you? Well, no, and that is unfair to do of them. But there's also, I think, a respect uh, thing on the other side in that I feel like if I was still engaging in some way conversations on the phone or texting or uh, through social media a lot with a with an ex-girlfriend. And look, I, I know this will be shocking, but I didn't have a lot of ex-girlfriends. <laughs> I know that's shocking. And the last one I had was a very long time ago. She might not even be upright anymore. I, I mean, she was about 35 years older than me at the time. Anyhow. Right. Um. So... Yeah, I wouldn't expect either that Maria would want me to not speak to that person. And also, the years in, like, there's that, that commitment already. You know, if, if Maria and I were uh, just seeing each other or maybe just got engaged in the last year and I was still kibitzing with exes, I think that's a little disrespectful of right. me on her. Yes. As I would feel the, the same way. You know, what is it What is it you need out of that relationship still that you've got to keep talking to that person? Right, yes. Yeah, if, if it's a, you know, like continual thing. Like it, you know, I guess if it's a, an acknowledgement of a birthday happening or something right. like that. But even still, after a while, yeah. you know, <laughs> does, it really, uh, does it really matter? And again, as years go on, I mean, an ex could be an ex-husband or wife, and there could be children involved. Right. So, you know, you've got to assume that there's going to still be some connection there. I always find it odd, too, when you, you hear of these couples who, you know, they're divorced, and both of you come in maybe divorced, so both of you are coming in with children, and somehow all four of you are able, to, you know, to make this work. We're all friends. We're all You're all crazy <laughs> in what you are. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, you know, for some, I think it's, it's hey, you know, as you always say, somewhere out there, Someone's tired of that. Yeah. Right. So yeah. perhaps that's you know, the situation. Hey, didn't work out with us. Right. You know, best of luck to you. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if it, if it seems to be working out with you, then then good for you. Um, assuming things ended on good terms, would you rather stay friends or have a clean break? People, when they were asked about that, found it might depend on who initiated the breakup. If you broke things off, it's more likely you want to stay friends. But if they did, maybe not. Which I, again, I see the opposite of that. Because if I broke it off and said, now I don't want to be with you. Now why do I want to be your friend? Yeah, yeah, then you want, you want out. But if they broke up with me, which surprisingly enough, happened more often than not. Um, and I don't know why. I'm such a charming individual. Um, but I would think I'd, if they dumped me, I'd still want to stay connected to them in the hopes that maybe we'd rekindle something. Yeah. Right, yeah. And you know, I say clean break. <laughs> like when this is over, you'll never hear from me again. Rock Mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.